0: Hello, Peculiars, and welcome to a special episode of the Peculiar Book Club. That's right, a bonus that we're throwing in for you here. Uh, We have author Daniel Krauss with us, and we are doing something special because his book is not released yet. The book Whale Fall is coming out in August, on August 8th. And so I don't have to give a spoiler warning because me and Brandy have not had a chance to read the book. We didn't get any pre-screeners or anything like that. So don't worry about being spoiled, but we are going to get you excited for the book. That's what we're here for today and to learn about Daniel and uh, the journey that kind of led him up to this book. So, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, we're
1: really excited.
0: And Peculiars, you're lucky because Brandy is here, too. She's going to join in and be a part of the conversation. So, uh, Hello? Daniel, <laughs> do you want to start off by introducing the book Whalefall to us?
2: Yeah. I think it's my twenty first book. Um, so I've yeah yeah, venom. I don't wow. know where they all when they all came out, but they did at some point, apparently., uh, but this is probably my favorite book that I've ever written. Mm. Um, and one of the things I like about it is that I can actually summarize it in a sentence, which uh, it never is the case. Usually, I'm just rambling for five minutes trying to tell you what it's about. But here's the sentence. It's right. the scientifically, 100% scientifically accurate story of a scuba diver who is swallowed by a sperm whale and has one hour of air to escape.
0: This is fantastic. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it's it's fun that you've taken, you know, it's it's a, a narrative idea, but wrapped it in so much science, which kind of fits perfectly with our crowd uh, that we yeah. like to hang out with at the Peculiar Book Club. Uh, why that dedication to the science? Well,
2: it just sort of came part and parcel with the the concept. Um, You know, it was started, you know, it's also unlike, you know, unusual that I can tell you the precise moment when a book idea happened. But that is also the case with this book. Um, It was in December 2020, and I was hanging out with a couple of friends. Um, This was, you know, in the middle of Omicron wave, I think. And so we were Mm -hmm. hanging out outside, even though it was cold. I live in Chicago. We were right by Lake Michigan and they were talking about a viral video of a couple of kayakers getting kind of what they said was swallowed that that turns out to be the incorrect um word there but but a, a couple of kayakers getting sort of caught in the mouth of a whale and for some reason this clip even though it's 3 years old has just popped up again all over the internet and people hmm. are sending it to me they've been sending it to me for <laughs> weeks um but anyway this clip i didn't see it they they had both seen it and it really triggered something in my head i was like man i wonder if you could if that could actually happen and if you could survive in there and the very first thing i did when i woke up the next morning was uh just make sure that no one had come up with this before i just googled it like it's such a concept that exists in religion and myth and lore mm-hmm. that it seemed preposterous to me that nobody would have in all those years, you know, uh, taken it seriously sort of scientifically seriously. That was the, the appeal of it to me was to, it has been taken metaphorically. It's been taken sure. in these other ways, sure. whether it's book of John or Pinocchio or, or Childhood's and, right. um, like these are ways that it's been taken as, as symbolic of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still wanted to play with the the symbolism a lot but also just wanted to treat it seriously and I, and i'm no um I'm not afraid of research I do a lot of research
1: you uh, do that's absolutely true
2: so I was just excited to to um approach it with a as fine you know finely uh grain lens as possible um but of course I knew nothing about whales nothing <laughs> so i had to that very morning I had to start from ground zero, just trying to find experts, first of all.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it's interesting to me because I don't know that I had thought about being curious about this, but I am now madly curious to know how one would... I'm sitting here already thinking, are you in the stomach? Are you in the bladder? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where mm-hmm. are you? So it's funny, the minute you say this and you take it out of the realm of kind of mythology, I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> yep.
2: I had the same questions.
1: <laughs> do people yeah. do that? Do they come
0: up to you with their what I would do scenarios and stuff like that when you bring the book up?
2: I think it's more of what Brandy is saying. Like they, it, it, they're it, they caught off guard, even though the, the concept is sort of like, sort of in a primordial way, really familiar. Like it immediately, like we get it. We sort of in, are immediately invested with the idea. They don't know where to start either. Like they, they're like, so are you. Are you in the stomach? Is it like the whale stomach in Pinocchio? Like they—they they don't really know where to start either. You know, once I sort of explain, which you know I, I can do for you guys, sort of the the circumstances, then they will occasionally start throwing out ideas, most of which are sensible ideas to throw out, but most of which are actually preposterous. <laughs> they would never work.
1: You're going to pull out your Animaniacs chainsaw. That's how you're going to get out, yeah. right? It's going to be yeah, cartoons. Chains- <laughs> a chainsaw
2: might actually do it. Uh, I, I I don't. <laughs> I don't think you could you could get out of a whale with a chainsaw in an hour. That's the problem. Like, uh, yeah. probably at the at the very most, if you got swallowed the instant you went into the water, maybe you would have ninety minutes most of air. That's not enough to cut yourself out of oil.
1: No, no it's, it's that, a, that's shame. a lot
0: of animal. It's a shame MythBusters isn't on the air anymore because they could have done a whole <laughs> episode on your book. Maybe.
2: Yeah, I would I would challenge them <laughs> to find a mistake. <laughs> uh, this so that's great.
0: One of the things here, uh, in reading some of the the reviews and comments about your book, uh, and I'm going to read this first one from Jillian Flynn here: a must-read story of the sea, the nature of awe, and the briny relationship between fathers and sons. And I didn't expect that when I was reading the comments; I, that, that yeah. kind of caught me off guard. And <laughs> looking back at some of your other books, they do have a tendency to do that. And I might bring up some of your earlier work. So this story about a, a man's survival. What is the connection then to the father and son relationship? Where does that come into the book?
2: Yeah, I think that's what surprises people is they kind of go in expecting this picking time bomb thriller and that's it is that. But what they don't expect is that it's going to be so moving. Like There's so many people who are reading this and just like messaging me or reviewing it and saying I was just crying through the last 50 pages. I, I, w- where that comes from is that the diver in the book um, is diving to find his father's remains. His father, a year ago, died of uh, cancer. They were very estranged, so the son didn't show up when the dad was sick. But the dad had done terrible things to the son. They had a terrible relationship. But he's thinking, if I can find any of his bones that are down there, it's going to be a sort of a peace offering to his family who, who wasn't really happy with him for never being at his dying father's hey. bedside um so he's looking for the bones when he gets swallowed by the whale and then once he's in the whale and he's you know he's injured he's uh, hallucinating there's no air in a whale but there's a lot of methane and he's frightened and he starts kind of hallucinating that the whale is his father that the whale has sort of absorbed his father who died in those exact waters okay uh, so if he if he can listen to the whale slash dad and learn and remember those lessons that his dad tried to teach him about the sea and about sea life, because he was a real man of the, the sea. He might be able to get out of this, but he's it's going to require kind of this emotional reconciliation first.
1: This is great. I'm so excited now. Because, of course, I I am a huge when people ask me if I were stranded on a deserted island, what book would I take? I always floor them because I say Moby Dick and people are like, no one even likes that book. I'm like, no, it's a fantastic book, (laughs) but it's an unexpected book. Um, I think people think it's a book about a whale and it's not. And I I have a suspicion that in some ways your book's going to be like that, too.
2: Yeah, I think in some ways I, I only read Moby Dick at the very beginning when I started working on the research for this book, I'd never read it before. Um, and it was just, I mean, I just loved it. Uh, and it's, you're right. It's not, it's kind of about a whale. It's kind of about whaling kind of, uh, but n- I didn't expect it to be so provocative. I didn't expect it to be so funny. Like it, it was a lot of things I didn't expect. Um, and tragic. It just, it's everything. It's sort of everything. In, including fiction and nonfiction, it's just sort of, every book at once uh so yeah i think i think there's an element of that surprise you know about it being whale fall is more than what you expect it to be and that's sort of the you know you hook them with the premise um and then you deliver that and sort of slide in this sort of other element that is yeah it kind of punches you you're not expecting it no
1: Well, and I think Moby Dick also has such evocative language that one of my favorite, I used to be able to quote this from memory and I can't now, but it's the God omnipresent coral insects who from the firmament of waters heaved colossal orbs or something like that. And it's just, okay, I guess I can still say it, Um, but it's just this wonderfully like evocative beginnings of all things kind of language in a book that also talks about, you know, squishing whale fat with your bare hands Mm to Purify the oil. So it's, I love that about it. And so if your book even approximates, like I'm excited because I'm, yeah. I, that's, that's a world I want to inhabit.
2: It, it kind of does because the book does get a little cosmic at some point. You know, like this, the book is a strange one in the sense that it's, you know, how people publish list of, there'll be vultures, 25 novels you should read this far, whatever. And it's been in science fiction lists, it's been in mystery lists, it's been in horror lists. It's so it's like, I don't know, I, it's kind of all these genres at once, but there's an element of it that, you know, once the book progresses quite a bit, uh, I'm, I'm, t- I'm trying to artfully avoid spoilers, uh, <laughs> it does get kind of cosmic, because there's the closest thing to being in a, in a inside of a whale in the sea is being in a capsule in space. It's mm-hmm. very similar.
0: Sure.
2: Uh, so it feels sort of like an outer space novel in a way. You're in this... Mm-hmm is if you oh. except the ship is really alien, you know the ship <laughs> you're inside is alive.
1: yeah, Ooh. and
2: it it leads to this sort of con, uh, pondering and rumination on uh, what the whale might represent to not not just the diver, but humanity mm-hmm. and planet and awe, like how it represents the our sort of lost capacity for awe. And the con- very concept of whale fall, which is when a whale, for your listeners, I'm sure you guys know this already, it's right. when a, a whale dies and it settles mm-hmm. on the ocean floor and its body then creates life for mm-hmm. for hundreds of years, uh, for untold amounts of organisms, just one whale body. So there's a, also this element of the whale, even in death, um, whether it's sort of death in the sea or death in the cosmos or the star dying it's all part of kind of of wrapped up in this sort of eternal circle.
1: That's fantastic. (laughs) All
0: right. So, okay. So that kind of leads me to some questions. I, you know, I was doing some research about some of your earlier books and Mm -hmm. uh, in your very first book, the monster variations uh, you know, it's a, it's a book about murders and these kids, but then there's a whole thing at the end, I get to the end of the description and it's about boys grappling with the revelations that occur as they become men. So I was like, okay, there's, a, there's definitely some layers to that book. Uh, the next one, The Rotters, um, has a lot of layers in it about the, the family ties and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, and connecting with his father, some fatherhood stuff in that. So it seems like that you do that a lot uh, in your book. So do these heavier themes, are they there at the beginning of the idea? You know, you told us you kind of started with two kayakers getting swallowed by, or hit by a whale. Mm -hmm. Are these things there at the beginning of the idea or do they kind of emerge as you write and suddenly you realize you're writing a story about fathers and sons that you didn't even know you were writing when you started? It's usually breach. Do
1: they breach like a fluke, you know?
0: Uh, uh, Very good. Very good. Uh, It's, it's usually the latter. Usually
2: there's some concept that exists. um, And I, I, I have them all the time. I've got these little notebooks here. I've got tons of them and I just take little notes And eventually what has to happen for the book to come to life is that concept has to cross with another one. And usually Mm -hmm. it's the intersection of the concepts that creates the spark. And sometimes that will be the theme, you know, for this one, it probably was, it was probably like, oh, I have this concept of someone swallowing. Well, that's great. But what else? And sometimes that pondering will take decades. Like I have several books that trace back to when I was like in grade school or, or middle school this time it didn't take very long i mean i don't know how long it took let's say weeks uh where suddenly i was kind of like he could be searching for bones and then i thought whose bones and i thought okay well who someone who taught him about this." And it also sort of came quickly yeah uh and you know I, several of my early books were about kind of father-son dynamics and then i kind of Purposely sort of said, I, okay, I've done that. I should really move on to other things. Uh, and then when this book came up, you know, really, the, it could have been so many things. Like, the, the issue going on with the diver in his personal life could have been anything. I knew what spoke to me the strongest. Um, and I thought that here was a chance to, to write really head on about the things that I had written in the Monster Variations and Rotters and other stuff much more obliquely at an angle this was a way to just plow right through the Mm -hmm. center in a way that i never had um i thought this concept is so intrinsically powerful that maybe i should match it with the thing that i feel strongest about and just Mm -hmm. go for it
0: Plowing through like like brandy with her chainsaw
1: like me with my chainsaw exactly (laughs) you know just through blubber meat um (laughs) the I, i was thinking about this so, shape of water, I was thinking, this is a big shape in the water. Um, the, the, this this concept that there's something sort of heaving up from the deep. Uh, and I know you were part of with the book the Shape of the water came, shape of water came out. There's so much about the sea that frightens us, that has this mystery and this drama. and it, it actually doesn't have we don't have to invent monsters. there cool. are there are monsters. There are these massive creatures that live in the water. And I was just wondering if there was anything that you brought from one from that story over to this one, or if there was anything about it that inspired some of this watery realm.
2: I don't think there's anything uh, in the story that's ported over. What What is a similarity, I think, is that um, I've often written about um, monstrous things uh, that aren't monstrous really, or write beautifully about monstrous things um that's been a, a ongoing thread in my career so in like, the shape of water for example like we are literally kind of writing about a universal monster right but in a in a way that you know sort of physicalizes how we both sort of Guillermo and I both felt about that monster we both just really liked the monster from childhood uh and so we wrote a story where he sort of gets his due it's his uh you know, he was kind of kind of got screwed in the original. Creature yeah,
1: world.
2: he wasn't really doing anything wrong. Uh, And so this is similar in the sense that. um If you were to encounter a sperm whale as a diver, it would be really terrifying. And if you were to look at the cover of this book, it's kind of
1: terrifying.
0: Uh, a fantastic cover.
1: <laughs> it is a fantastic cover. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. But that's not what I'm going for. Like it's although it's really is sort of terrifying in the the body of inside the body of the whale the whales in no way the villain like there's this is not jaws like uh this whale would never intentionally eat a person there's no ill will toward the diver and and even you know sort of in this father slash whale way is even constantly trying to help the diver but it can't help its biology, you know, what's happening inside of its stomachs is just happening. Um, so it is sort of about taking a, a monstrous form. And there are a few animals, a few beasts that are as wild and strange as a sperm whale and sort of rethinking it as something kind of um, almost godlike, like mm-hmm. like really something powerful and majestic and beautiful.
1: Well, a uh, little sperm whale facts. I know you you know a lot of sperm whale facts now, but one of the things that interests me about them, and maybe you can talk a little bit about it, is unlike many whales, sperm whales actually dive super deep. They actually go mm-hmm. into those deep waters chasing giant squids and colossal squids. I love that we have giant ones and colossal ones. Like we named the yeah. giant one, then someone saw something bigger and went, well, i <laughs> gonna need another name. Uh, <laughs> But, um, so, so whale fall is when a whale sinks to the bottom, but this is one of those few whales that actually does dive deep, Mm. even in its lifetime. And I just wondered if you wanted to say a few words about that. It's pretty fascinating.
2: Yeah. I I mean, this, the, the book takes place off a real beach. So it takes place off a beach called Monastery Beach. That's just South of Monterey, California. And, uh, divers know it as mortuary beach because it's one of the most dangerous beaches in the world. It just has this incredible, like people, every, every year, people will just be walking on the beach and the waves will come in and grab them or their dogs and just yank them, yank them off. Uh, But why this beach is so perfect for the book, beside all that, is that if you swim out for 20 or 30 minutes, the seabed, the ocean floor just ends and it goes like straight down. And that's Monterey Canyon, and Monterey Canyon is uh, this size of the Grand Canyon, and it's just underwater. Wow. So even if wow. you look at if you look at Monterey Beach and zoom out a little bit on Google Maps, you'll actually see it. It's it's chilling actually to to know that right just off the beach there's the Grand Canyon just beneath the water. That's why there's sperm whales there because that huge chasm is where they're diving way down to feed off the squids that you mentioned, and that's where all these creatures, probably many of which we've never even seen before, all your anglerfish and weird sea creatures, they're all all down there too, ones you've never seen light. The issue, of course, is if you're in a whale's stomach um, and it were to dive even a fraction of the way that it's possible diving, you will just implode, like your eyeballs will pop out and your sinuses will collapse and your lungs will disintegrate uh so there's only a little bit of depth so that that's a constant fear of the diver once he realize the situation he's in is that if this whale dives that's it i will be squashed in in a couple minutes uh so yeah that element is part of the book um and it's it is really really fast one of the things that make sperm whales to me godlike because they do seem like they're almost this elevator between like the underworld, and but they—they're mammals, so they breach. They mm-hmm. have to get air. So they come all the way up to breathe and spout. And uh, but they're almost this elevator between worlds, and you know, life and death and all those things.
1: I'm getting real Persephone vibes now from this whole whale idea.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of elements to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we've we've mentioned The Shape of Water already, and you you worked on that with Guillermo del Toro. And you know, you guys, you started talking a little bit about monsters who maybe aren't really monsters, and that that does tend to be a theme, I think, in a lot of his work too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Some characters that should be monstrous, but they're they're really not. And I'm just curious, did you, you know, what kind of conversations did you have with him about that, about monsters? And did you did you get to dive deep with him uh, and talk about those things?
2: You know, I don't think we ever had deep conversations about it. It was more that. You know, and this is kind of the the magic of art, in this case, a movie that we both had the same experiences. I was a little kid growing up in Iowa, in the center of the America, and he was a kid growing up in Mexico City. You know, like the chances of us ever meeting were infinitesimal. But we were both watching the same movies and both responding to them in the same way. So in this case, we completely, we were, I mean, I don't know how far apart Chicago and Mexico City is, but it's pretty far. <laughs> But we're both watching Creech from Black Lagoon when it comes on TV and both having the exact same feelings about it. So we didn't discuss it because I don't think we needed to discuss it, really. Mm -hmm. We just Mm -hmm. sort of instinctively uh, feel the same way about uh, monsters. Like we don't... Neither of us tend to really very often um, in our art just have your kind of classic evil monster. Like we are Mm -hmm. sympathetic to monsters by nature. I think that comes... You know, and I'm not saying anything new here, but that comes from uh, feeling like an outsider or whatever when you're young. You know, there there are all oh, sorts yeah. of reasons that you come to sympathize with
1: monsters. Very sport. much, uh, you're very much in the right, you know, place here with the Peculiar Book Club, frankly, because yes. we're, yes. <laughs> we're real monster-loving like, people. Yes, <laughs> I, I feel right at home. Yeah. <laughs> Funny story. One of our previous past guests was Paul Kudinaris, who is a photographer of lots. You probably you're nodding. So, uh, photographer of lots of interesting things, published some very interesting stuff. He curated an exhibit. It was very much about the monsters and about what Del Toro's monsters were supposed to be standing for and what they what they needed and all of these kinds of things. And he was looking around for a book that would help him come to grips with. How he perceives monsters, and it just so happens that he chose one called "Unnatural Reproductions and Monstrosity: The Birth, the Birth of the Monster in Literature, Film, and Media." And it's my book. <laughs> uh, it's a book that I co-edited with Andrea Wood, and it's a whole bunch of collections of essays. And so there's this wonderful little circle that happened where I know Paul. Paul used my book to do a, a uh, an exhibit on Del Toro monsters. So it there is a real sense that th- the concept of the mothering monster was was part of what he was looking for.
2: Yeah. It's something that certainly with *The Shape of Water*. I didn't expect so many people would respond to it in that way. I really thought it was going to be. But it was. It's hard to imagine now, but at the time, that was a really, really bizarre idea. Uh, that we had no reason to think a, a, a huge portion of people would be interested in. Uh, but here we all are. I mean, it's like there. We are. There. We have found. You find your people. You know, and this. This group. Of sort of monster lovers is is bigger than I think anyone expected, and that I think bodes well. Like it it, it suggests being able to look past how someone looks or the reputations therein, and being able to look in deeper into someone. So I think we're we're a good group. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Are you are you hearing from the scuba enthusiast as well, uh, or not so much from that crowd?
2: Well, I'm sure I will. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I took great pains. I had three core whale scientists that I worked with and then various other scientists as needed. Um, and I also had uh, a diving expert who actually did the dive that's in the book. He did it twice. Oh, okay. Um, it, right up to the point where, you know, we, we he would get swallowed. Um, and he's a videographer. That's like what he does. So he videotaped the, both of these dives. So I, for the part where the, my character is diving I actually have a second by second visual record of what the dive looks like until he, you know until it gets to the the Monterey Canyon and then my diver's not going to go down there
0: so would you do any diving now now that now that you've written this book is diving still uh, a thing you would try have you tried or are you are you good hanging out on the beach
2: well I tried it for the book okay um I'm not a water guy like I grew up again in Iowa and there's not a lot of fair enough these are oceans there. I'm um, not a good swimmer. Shape of corn. Yeah. I've written a lot about corn. I know <laughs> I know I know corn really well. Uh but yeah, I mean the divers for the entirety of the book, he's inside this wetsuit and diving apparatus. So I had to know what that felt like, what it sounded like, and all that stuff. So I did I did go scuba diving, which was not something I was dying to do, but I did it and it was really amazing and miraculous. Like It's another thing like we don't think about like, but you can breathe underwater. I mean, that's insane. Like you can breathe. (laughs) like it just like, it really is mind blowing when you think about it. Uh, You don't have to breach like the whale. You can just sit down there and and breathe. It's amazing. Uh, So yeah, I did that. And I do expect, even though I labored intensively to have no mistakes and you know, how the whale experts sort of vet the book and the diving expert vet the book. I'm sure I'm gonna hear from both categories that I've messed things up. Um, no one you don't get any letters about all the stuff you get right. like sure. It sure. never sure. fails. No one says great job on researching this aircraft carrier. Uh, <laughs> but it's. You screw things up, particularly in my experience, if you screw up information about guns or guitars, uh-huh. people lose their shit. <laughs> um, there's neither in this book, so at least I have that going for me.
1: Well, there you go. There you, I bet I, There's probably whale enthusiasts who are going to be be watching for you. You know, the worst mistake I ever made, and this is a doozy, and I cannot believe that none of the copy editors caught it either, is I was talking about the North Pole, and I called it the South Pole, repeatedly in in this one chapter. So it's like North, 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 South, South, North. And um, yeah, people will notice that kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Daniel, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and uh, learn about the book, get excited about the book. Uh, I hope the Peculiars are getting excited about the book. And uh, I mean, it's been a fantastic conversation. I can't wait to see the conversation we have once we've all gotten a chance to read it. And uh, and really dive into some of those cosmic themes, the themes, the things we can't talk about just yet.
1: Yes. And of course, Mary Roach will actually be on that show. She's actually going to be guest hosting. Uh, She requested uh, Daniel's book specifically, you know, of course, Mary wrote Gulp. So I feel like swallowing is going to be gulping and swallowing is going to be discussed. Um, So and disgusting, maybe. So we're really, really thrilled. And um, we are hoping people come back next year to catch the live video feed show. So thank you all for joining us at a place where, if you're weird, you're family.